deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your plain small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We're born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everybody. And we let our own light shine. We are unconsciously giving other people permission to do the same. We are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. We all have fears, don't we? We all face our fears or we have to face our fears. Some of us push our fears on the side. Some of us try to face them as best as possible. Some of us make mistakes when we face our fears. But nonetheless, we still need to face our fears. Some of us face, uh, we fear death. We fear each other. We fear our bosses. We fear our, what is going to happen in our health. We have many fears. We live in a culture that sometimes feed off of fears or they'll help us suspend our fears and to give us some entertainment that has to do with fear, but overcoming fear with courage. Some of you have seen that movie um, Braveheart a while back, and you know he's, he's standing be before the army, and they're a small army, and they have to ba do battle with this larger army, and the men are fearful. But here comes William Wallace in the front, and he says, he says to them, do not be afraid. And they're saying, but there are so many, we are so little. And, and they say, we're going to die. And he says, yes, we might die. <laughs> and that's what, the, that's what the general is supposed to do. He's supposed to encourage them. And he says, they may take our lives, but they may never take our freedom. Remember he said that? And if you haven't remembered, you haven't seen the movie. But if you remember that scene, he was trying to give them freedom or, or courage so that they could be free. There's this other movie that came out. This one man, Achilles, was facing this giant or this big guy, this warrior, and the entire army was behind him. And he runs up to him, destroys that warrior, their very best warrior. He stands in front of their army and he says, is there no one else? Real manly. Is there no one else? And the guys are like, nope, nobody. We good, we good, we cool. And so he, he, he had courage and he defeated them. Then there's this other movie that came out, and it was like a princess, and she's just in this snowy area, and she says, let it go, let it go. So in, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Now that song is stuck in your head all day. When you have courage, you're able to do something, and you're able to do the things you're unwilling to do without courage. You're able to do the things you just don't want to do because you're fearful. Courage does something to us. Courage helps us accomplish what God sees in our lives. But you might be wondering, but okay, so do I need God in my life to have courage? Because we know many men and women. What about the men and women who, who accomplish great things, but they don't know God? They do wonderful things, but they, they don't turn to God. And they're able to do great things. Where there's a difference between human courage and godly courage. Human courage has its limits. 
And we'll try our very best to get to a certain place in life and, and, and do our very best to have courage to face our fears. But there's going to be a fear that you're going to face that your human courage is not going to be able to persevere through. Many of us have come to that point. That's why we said, I need God right now. Because our human courage can only take us so far. Godly courage goes beyond our human courage. Human courage has limits. Godly courage is limitless. There's a church that we're going to look at in the book of Revelation, and these seven traits for thriving relationships are actually coming out of these seven churches that you find in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Last week, we talked about the church in Ephesus and uh, going back to your first love. Today, we're going to look at courage from this church in Smyrna. This is the only city out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation that still exists today, with over 500,000 people still in that city. And this is in Turkey, nowadays Turkey, uh, on the western shore of Asia. It's about, I think, 35, 65 miles north of where Ephesus was. That's a kind of a big gap. But it's north of where Ephesus is. But it's still there today. And this city went through a, a, a weird history about 1000 AD, they were thriving because of the trade that was going on. They were a rich city, and they were known for their splendor and their beauty because they were on the slopes of uh, the mountainside, and they, they just had this wonderful scenery. So you had this city, but then about 600 AD, the Lydians took over, destroyed the city, so for about 400 years, they were just desolate. And about 200 A.D., they revived the city, built new roads and tunnels, and, and brought life back to this city. So now here's this church that is now birthed in this city, and Jesus is addressing the church, and he's saying, I know where you've come from. I've seen what happened in your past, but this is what I want to encourage you with. And so he gives them this encouragement, and if you do have your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation chapter 2. If not, I'll read it to us, Revelation chapter 2. I'll read from verses 8 through 11. And, the, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, and this is Jesus saying to John the Apostle, who's now writing these words, these things, say, uh, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. He says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, almost like playing the hypocrite. They say they're one thing, but they're some, they, they, by their actions, say otherwise. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So already Jesus is telling them, here's some things that you've been through. This is what your city has gone through. This is what your people has gone through. But this is where you're heading. You're going to suffer. But be faithful unto death. What he's actually telling them is not be faithful and then when you face death, uh, back out. He's not saying to do that. He's saying be faithful until death, till only death will relieve you from suffering. 
that in the face of opposition, the only thing that will relieve you from this suffering would be dying. Those are strong words, but Jesus could say that because Jesus did face death. So he knew what it was like to face death, but also not back out from it. Because Jesus is now speaking to them after his resurrection, and he's letting them know, I have a reward for you, and it is a crown of life. He's saying, you're going to suffer. You're going to face some fears. You're going to need my courage. And that's what we want to look at this morning because God has courage for us. We all have fears, especially when it comes to relationships. We all have fears, the fear of the unknown, the fear of our past, the fear of uh, what if this happens or that happens? What if, what if our children uh, don't turn out like how we want them to? Uh, their safety, we fear their safety. There's so many fears that come our way, even as parents, and courage is needed in the face of opposition. Courage is not the absence of fear, we know that. It is, it is the presence of fear, but you still persevere through it in spite of it. You, you, you will still have fears. I like how Karl Barth says that he's a Swiss theologian. He says, courage is fear that has said its prayers. I like how John Wayne, John Wayne says it. Courage is being afraid out of your mind and saddling up anyway. That you're still going to persevere and move forward. Courage shows up when you face your fears. Or you back down. Either way, it's fears are going to come up. And courage is the willingness to do what you have to do even when you don't want to do it. This uh, church in Smyrna, Smyrna meaning uh, like a sweet-smelling aroma. In fact, they would use that ointment when they would bury the bodies or would put the bodies in a tomb, that they would use it as an, as an ointment. So this, this city is, is associated with death. But Jesus said, no, nope, no more death. You're going to be associated with life. I'm going to bring life back to you. You're going to suffer. But be faithful until death. Just be faithful, he says. They were going to, they were going to face opposition and they were, they were going to face persecution. In fact, under the Roman Empire, they faced persecution all the time because of the Romans uh, overseeing but it was the Christians that faced the most persecution. That if you were a Christian, then you had, you had more, uh, the odds were against you to face death because you were not bowing to Caesar, you were bowing to Christ. And so there were a lot of martyrs in that city because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And so when Christ addresses this church, he's saying, don't fear. Don't even fear death because I have the crown of life ready for you. And it, it was at this very end of this point, even until death, that courage would be needed so that you would not deny your belief in Jesus Christ. And we face that all the time. We face denying Christ all the time. You may not face an army. You may not have to uh, be encouraged by a commander to, to say, not be fearful, and you may not look death in the face. You may not stare down death. You may just deal with everyday life. That you're a husband, you're a father, a, a mother, a wife, a child. 
you're in school, you're going to face opposition. It may not be death you're facing, it just may be everyday life. Your finances, your bills, everything is piling up. Problems, health problems, issues, family relationships going bad. We're going to face those things, but God says, be faithful unto death. Even though you face the, uh, those oppositions, be faithful because I have the crown of life readily available for you. If you look throughout the Bible, you're going to hear a constant theme coming from God, and that's that word courage, to have courage. We're reading in the Bible right now in our, in our devotions. That's, that's what we do. We read our Bible, and then we journal. That's what, me, what we call devotions. And you're reading about Moses and coming out of the... Uh, coming out of slavery in Egypt and going into the promised land. But now Moses can't go in, so he passes the baton on to Joshua, his predecessor, his assistant. And he says to Joshua, you got to go into the promised land and lead the people. Now Joshua has been watching Moses' leadership for all these years, and he's seen what the result is with the people. He saw the complaints from the people. He, see, he sees how difficult it is. But Moses says this, and if you have your notes, you can take it out. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 31, that Moses addresses the people, but he also addresses Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 31, verses 6 and 7, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. He's talking about the surrounding nations and uh, those who are not following God. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. There is a reason why Moses told the people to be strong and courageous. There is a reason why Moses told Joshua to be strong and courageous. It's because they were fearful. It's because they were going to face some wars. They were going to face some battles. They were going to have to fight for the promised land. You don't need courage if you have no future. You don't need courage if you don't have a, a, a tough task to battle for a promise. You don't need courage for a successful marriage. You need courage for a successful marriage. <laughs> Seeing if I'm paying attention. You have to have courage if you're going to overcome these battles. Whatever you fear, and you know what you fear, whatever it is, God says, I, I got you. I can help you because your human courage can only go so far. It has its limits. And we're going to look at some truths out of the Bible which is filled with courage in how we can overcome our fears, but also how do we, how do we deal with everyday life in our relationships that are decaying so that it thrives? How do we do that? Well, here's, instead of us fearing what we fear, fear the Lord. Write that in. Fear the Lord. Now, there's a difference between the fear that we fear like we're afraid of something and fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord is that reverent respect for God, that you fear him to the point of you respect him, you love him, you understand how powerful he is, not to destroy but to give life. He's that powerful. And so we respect him. We have that kind of fear for him. And courage is the byproduct of the fear of the Lord, godly courage. Courageous faith is a byproduct when you fear the Lord. 
Fear of the Lord says, if this is what God, if this is what God wants me to do, then I'll do it in spite of my fears. Even though I don't want to do what I'm about to do, I trust the Lord. I trust that what he's saying is what he, want, what he wants for me because this is what's best for me. And I fear the Lord. Yeah, I might get criticized. I might get ridiculed. Uh, I, I might be uh, spoken negative, negatively about. I might even get fired. I might, I might lose a friendship. I might even uh, be called names. But Lord, if this is what you're asking me to do, I fear you more than I do results. I, I, I put my faith in you. John, excuse me, 1 John 4, 18, it tells us that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. When, when we understand God's love for us and we can love him, there's that perfect love that he has. Therefore, his perfect love casts out all fear. Only God's perfect love casts out all fear. No, no courageous speech will cast out your fear. It'll be God's perfect love. That's the relationship that we look for. That's what causes relationships to thrive. It's God's perfect love. Courage without God's love has limits. But God's perfect love gives us courage that is limitless. And your life expands in proportion to courage. Because once you hit a place in your life that you're fearful of, you're either going to back out or you're going to expand it by facing your fear. And it, you're able to do that through godly courage. Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It is amazing that those who don't have the courage to take risks and those who do experience the same amount of fears in life. We, we're we're all going to experience fears. Courageous faith is confident that God will not make a mistake, that God doesn't make mistakes, that he does not lie, that God will pull through, that God will be with you. That's a courageous kind of faith, a kind of faith that is confident that God will never be defeated, that he wins all the time. Courage doesn't mean you're not afraid. Courage is, is, is when you are afraid that courage is needed the most, relied on the most. And the courage that comes from God is trusted the most. Courage is making things right, not just smoothing things over. I love how Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, says it. He says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. It's easy for us to say, oh, I'm courageous, when nothing's going wrong. But what do you do when you know you need to do something that is right, but you just don't want to do it? You're fearful. Whatever outcome it may be, God says, fear me. Let me stand between you and what you fear, and let me take care of what you fear. Fear me. Respect me. But some of us, we jump the gun. We, we say, well, but I, I just, I got to do this. And we think that that's being courageous. That I just can, I just can do them. I just have this feeling and I'm going to do what I feel. 
and then you end up making a decision, then you look back on it, and you say, oh, bad decision, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. It's almost like saying, oh, that guy, you saw him skydiving. Look, I'm right there, he's still skydiving. He didn't even want parachute. That guy is courageous. <laughs> he's courageous up until the point of the ground. Some of us, that's how we make decisions. Like, oh, that guy is, oh, courageous. Oh, that woman, she's courageous. No, they just jumped without a parachute. That's not courageous, that's dumb. Sometimes we just make dumb decisions. It looks courageous, but it may not be courageous. It's just to a certain point. That's why, here's number two, write this in, wait for the Lord. I can't express that any clearer. Wait for the Lord. You're going to have to make tough decisions, but make the tough decisions with the Lord. Make, make those decisions with the Lord. And when you make those decisions with the Lord, it brings progress. Not like the skydiver without a parachute. It brings progress up until you hit the ground. Many of us hit the ground, and that's as far as we go. Why? Because we had not waited upon the Lord. We made decisions without him. Moses had to make a tough decision. He had to make many tough decisions, but he waited upon the Lord. That's why Jesus spoke to this church in Smyrna. He's saying, look, this is, this is your history. This is where you've come from. But you want to be alive and thriving? You want to be a, a city that has life? Wait for me. Wait upon me. Be faithful unto me because I will give you the crown of life. And if you're, if you're just making decision after decision because you think, oh, I'm just courageous, you may want to wait upon the Lord because he has the, he has the best route for you. Psalm 27, 14, it says to wait for the Lord be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. In every relationship, the Lord must be included in order for it to thrive. You know what I find very ironic, actually interesting, and sometimes not even thought of, is we accept, and many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior but you face decisions that sometimes you choose not as him being your Lord and Savior, but him being your Lord or Savior. That at certain points in making decisions, you say, well, I know this is not right. I know this is not of God. I know I shouldn't make this decision, but he's my Savior. So he's going to save me if it goes bad. He's going to save me if I make the wrong decision. He's going to save me from this and he's going to help me because he is faithful, and he is faithful. But if I say to Jesus Christ, you're my Lord and Savior, in no way should I come to a point of facing a fear and now choose to say, you're my Lord or Savior. So you know if he's your Lord, not when you face a fear or a decision and you know he's going to take care of you because he's your savior. You know he's your Lord when you face a decision that you don't want to make, but you know the Lord is saying, no, you, this is what you need to do or not do. That's how you know he's your Lord. Easy for him to be our savior. We love the savior part. Oh, I got heaven. I got the, I, I, have, I have eternity in heaven. I, I have I have life after death with him for all of eternity. I love the Savior part, but Lord is now. Lord is every waking moment. 
It's when your wife or your husband says something negative and you just want to snap back. And now at that point, he says, am I your Lord? Yes, you're my Lord, but not my husband. He's not my Lord. So you're, you're, you're now battling with God saying, well, you forgive. You say you're sorry. You make things right. No, that's not me. No, it wasn't my fault. No, it was his fault. It was her fault. What are you going to do at that specific point when the Lord says, am I your Lord? Are you going to do what I'm asking you to do or not? It's a tough thing to do. We face those fears. We, we face what decision we're going to make because we don't know the outcome. Therefore, we need to redefine success. Many of us look at success as having more things, getting the better job, the more pay, getting the bigger house, better car, whatever it is. We see it in things. And it's not bad to have things. But if we think that's success, you will never be successful. Because the moment you get something, it deteriorates. In fact, the moment it's created, it's deteriorating. That's why we need the Lord. So we need to redefine success as not having things or having notoriety or position or being well-known or, or famous. We need to redefine success as obedience unto God. That's what success is. It's not a result-oriented kind of thing. It's being obedient to God regardless of the outcome. Regardless if people say things or do things, regardless of what the outcome is, was I obedient to you, Lord? Yes, you were. Then I'm successful. It may not be success in the eyes of other people, but if you're obedient to God, there's success. And if he's saying, I want you to focus on your marriage right now. Yeah, but all my friends are doing this. I want you to focus on your marriage. That's success. That's success. Obedience unto God, that's what he's looking for. I, I, I like when we wait upon the Lord because he knows what's best. Have any of you ever done something, like as a, as a teenager, hopefully not now as, you know, grown men and women, but I remember going up to like high falls, you know, there's a waterfall and then you could jump into the, the water, or doing something daring and your friends say, okay, Go! And you don't want to because you're fearful. But then they say, okay, I can count to three and then go. Now, anytime you have to count to three, it's an indication that's not a good idea. So you would be at the top and you'd say, okay, just count to three and then I can go. And then they would count to three, one, two, three, and then you jump and then you land on your face and then it hurts and you're like, oh, that was a bad idea. And then everybody else jumps because they know what not to do now. Wisdom says, let the other guy go first. You be the person that says, brah, I can count to three, right, you're the best, you're the fastest, you're the strongest, you can do this, only you are able to do this, you are the most courageous, right, you is the meanest, you jump, you wait for them, and then when they jump, then you see, okay, the water is shallow, okay, the water is deep, oh, he landed on his face, okay, I know what not to do, that's wisdom, you wait for the other person, that's actually called great friendship too, but that's why you wait upon the Lord, when you wait upon the Lord, basically what you're saying is, Lord, you go first. And you let me know the waters. You let me know the conditions. You show me what I don't know yet because I have yet to jump. So, Lord, you go first. And you know what? Jesus faced death. He did go first. He did face death on the cross. So he knows exactly what he's talking about when he says, wait upon the Lord. There's a reason why he says that. Because he went 
first. Everything that you will ever face, every fear that you will ever face, he already faced. So he knows timing. He knows words. He knows how to face the fears that we have yet to face and conquer. He knows how to do that. That's why we wait upon the Lord. Every day we're going to have to make choices. You're going you're gonna to face some fears. Wait upon the Lord. You're, you're going to need courage. When you come home from a 10 to 12-hour work day to step foot in that house with those kids, you're going to need courage after a long day's work as a wife, as a mother, to come into the house hoping the house is clean, hoping and praying there's not all the dishes left in the sink. You're just hoping for one time in your life that people cleaned up after themselves. You're going to need courage to do that. As a dad, as a grandpa, you're going to have to have courage to step foot in the house when your grandchildren or children jump all over you. You're going to need courage because your back is bad, and they're just going to maul you. You need courage. You're going to have to sit in your car for a little while and wait upon the Lord and say, Lord, give me strength, please, before I enter this house. I call it changing hats. Before I enter my property, before I enter my home, I change hats. I say, Lord, I'm taking off my, my leadership hat, my pastoral hat, my counseling hat. I take that off. I put on my daddy hat. I put on my papa hat because I'm a grandpa. I put on my husband hat. That's, that's what I'm walking into. Lord, give me courage to face whatever it is, not my wife. Because some of you are thinking, well, what do you do when you face opposition in your very own family? How do you face that? How do you face when you walk into that home and you know it's going to be a negative environment? And here's what I found was key. You invite the Lord to go in before you and you wait for him to go into the house first. You can even pray coming into your house. Pray the Lord goes before you. And try this as you enter into the house. Lord, I just pray that you go before me and that you handle everything in front of me, that no matter what is in front of me, it's, it's, it's going to be you, Lord. Your family would freak out, first of all, because why are you talking to yourself? But if you're praying to the Lord, and not the, not the prayers that we pray when you open the door, oh, my Lord, look at this home. Jesus, help me. It's the Lord. Give, give us Give us the courage to face our fears, whatever it would be. I, when you wait upon the Lord, you'd be amazed at what he's able to do because our human courage can only go so far. You're going to need courage to make a decision when your children back talk and your wife says, honey, can you help me with the kids? This is what I used to do. I used to be on the, the couch sitting down watching TV. Kids, listen to your mara. And I'll just keep watching the TV. Honey, can you help me? They're fighting. Stop fighting. Still watch TV, watching the news or football or whatever it is. Hang on, honey, hang on. It's, it's a couple seconds left. It's a two-minute warning. Two-minute warning is 40 minutes. It's only a little while longer. And so I, I need courage to get up and go to my children and face them and discipline them and let them know that that was not godly character. What you said to your mom was not right. You need to apologize to your mom. Oh, but she always do this. She always do that. You like leave or you like live here? I like leave. Really? You like pay your own rent someplace else? What are you, four years old? What, are you serious? 
because our kids will challenge us. But you wait upon the Lord. He takes care of what we cannot. He gives us wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. And he gives us the courage to take care of what we cannot. Here's where we come to, and here's where it's going to be difficult. You've got to be willing to risk. You can write that in your last point. You've got to be willing to risk. If you're not willing to risk, if you're not willing to risk for the sake of godliness, if you're not willing to risk that the Lord is going to move, that when you wait upon him, if you're not willing to risk, then what are we doing in this relationship with the Lord? If we're not willing to risk and say, Lord, I, I, I trust that you're going to do the things I cannot do. I trust in you. And risk that he's going to take care of what we cannot. Then why are we in this relationship? He is Savior, yes, but he is also Lord. We've got to trust in his lordship. That he's going to take good care of us. See, when, when you're faced with opposition, when you're, when you're faced with making decisions that you don't want to make, it'll take courage. It's, it's kind of sad in our day and society today, in, in, our, in our culture today, that it takes courage for me to put down this when my child wants to play with me. That we need courage to say, I can do this later. It's very difficult when you're playing Candy Crush and you have two moves left and you know you can make it and your child wants to play or do something. You say, hang on, I have two more moves. It takes courage to put that down and then spend time with them. It takes courage. It takes courage when you're checking email and you say, oh, I gotta just do this last one. Hold on, honey, this is the last one. It takes courage to put that down and say, I'm just gonna have to face it. I'm just gonna have to face whatever it is. It takes courage to have to put away Facebook and to say, I'm not going to be in that conversation. I'm not going to go there. That's only gossip. I'm not going to get involved with that. It takes courage. How often we will reply or comment or post something and then just stare at it for like days. Should I post it or delete it? Should I post it or delete it? If you have to think about it, delete it. If you even have a check, trust that it's the Lord. Be willing to risk with the Lord. You wait upon him. And I tell you, when you wait upon him, he gives you wisdom. You're going to need courage to risk speaking to someone in such a way that will restore the relationship or help the person or add joy to them or their family. And if, and if you do, this might happen. It may not turn out as best as I want it to. But if this is what you're asking me to do, Lord, I'm going to wait upon you and I'm going to be willing to risk because you're asking me to do this. It may not work out how I planned. I might even fail. It may even go bad. But I'm doing this for their benefit and for the glory of God because you said so. I gotta be willing to risk. Jesus says this in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. He says, in me you will have peace. You take courage. Did you know that you could just take courage? Like it's freely available. Human courage, you've got to conjure up. You have to think about circumstance, outcome, what, what it's going to be like. Godly courage, 
When you fear the Lord, he brings in wisdom. You wait upon him. You're willing to risk because you know that he's, he's going before you. And you have everything you need in him. And he says, when you do that, you can just take courage from me. You just take it. Why? Because I have already overcome what you have yet to overcome. I've already done that. Therefore, the wisdom I'm giving you, the steps to take, is the right direction to go. Why? Because I already did that. Therefore, you're going to have peace. Because it's my peace. I have peace because I already overcame it. Therefore, I give you that peace. But you've got to take courage. You've got to take courage because I have overcome the world. When you face your fears in this world, you're, you're either going to say to God, I bail out, or I'm going to face this with you. I'm going to be willing to risk. And because you do that, he says, then I'll give you peace. It took courage for you to give, like Pastor Charlie said, to Camp Agape. Did you know that you gave over $8,000 to this camp? So we want to say thank you for being obedient and having the courage to give. And that's a sacrificial giving. You're saying, I'm, I'm going to be obedient to God, I'm going to give. And now these children of, of whose parents, or maybe one, are incarcerated, they can find hope once again from death, like this, this church in Smyrna, from death to life, that they're going to be able to face their fears even unto death, that they're going to recognize that there is a God who loves them. When you read throughout Scripture, God continuously gives us courage. He gave his people courage. I love what Deuteronomy continues to say in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. It says, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Did you know that this scripture alone gives us our past, present, and future? And he already knows what happens. He goes before us. But we can, we can also trust that he will not fail us or forsake us for future events. Therefore, do not fear or be dismayed. You know when you're courageous? Courage by one person is encouraging. But if you're a parent, a school teacher, someone of uh, influence in our community, a leader in our community, someone who holds a high position, when you have courage and you stand up for the things of God, it's inspiring, not just encouraging. It inspires others to be courageous too, to stand up for what they believe in, in the things of God. And when I look at this word courage, I cannot help but think of what Jesus did for you and I. That Jesus on the cross, he did face death. He was in pain. And it was only death that would stop his suffering. There was no other option. And he could face his, that fear of death because he knew that there was life after that he trusted in the father and he knew that when I face this death is not just for me but is for everyone who believes in me that you too will not perish but have everlasting life and he said I can do this I know what's ahead I can face death and because he faced death on the cross, died for our sins, and suffering was ended only by death. 
He says, you don't have to go through that suffering when you face the greatest fear you and I will ever face. See, we can face all of our fears here on this earth without God and actually overcome it because human fear, human courage can only take us so far. You know where human courage can take us to? It can take us even as far as death. Some people are saying, I'm not afraid of dying. And I can see that. And you might say, I don't need God to face my fears. But I want to give you this. You will need God to face your biggest fear. And the biggest fear you will ever face is if God is not your Savior, but when He's your judge. I don't fear God because He died in my place as judge. He says, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to judge your sin upon my son. He took death for you. So now you can stand in my presence as Savior, no longer judge. I pray that if you're saying, well, I, I don't need God in my life. I'm fine without God. You may last up until the end of your life. But once your life is ended here, so has skydiving. Jesus is the best insurance, the greatest parachute that you will have to bring you to safe landing on the other side where your courage does not have enough to bring you to. Jesus himself could say, there is no one else. It's only through him. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Lord, this life that we live, we're faced with many fears. Some of us are, are facing some right now and, and we don't know how to overcome it. Sometimes we, we, we hesitate or we, we, we pull back because we don't know what the outcome will be. But success really is obedience unto you. It's not outcome on having or the greater things or having things. It's really being obedient to you, whatever the outcome. That in spite of our fears, Lord, we'll be courageous because we have a courageous faith that comes from you. So would you fill us afresh with your spirit? Fill us with your love because perfect love casts out all fear. May we choose to fear you, not what we fear, but that we would have that respect for you. But we'd also be willing to wait for you. That we'd wait upon you, not our feelings, so that we would be willing to risk, to risk for the sake of godliness, to do the things that you're asking us to do in spite of our fears. Give us courage today, Lord. I pray for anyone this morning that you're saying, yeah, I, I don't want to face God as my judge. I, I, I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. And right now is the opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity. And if you're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart, I want to, I want to face him one day as my Savior, that you would just say right now, I want to give him my heart. And if that's you, would you just lift a hand and I'll pray with you. You don't have to stand or anything. I'm just, I just want to pray with you. Good. Anybody else? You're saying, yes, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I, I trust in him. Good. Anybody else? You're saying, yes. Good. God bless you right here. God sees you. Sees your heart. And he knows your future in the back. God sees you. You put your hands down. And we're going to pray this prayer together, even as Christians, because even as Christians, we face, our, we face fears. We face obstacles. We have doubts. And so we want to ask the Lord for his kind of courage. So 
let's pray this prayer together, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe in you, that you died on the cross and you rose again to give me eternal life. Give me courage, godly courage. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen.